soon But I really get her going And I give out my big ten Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Freshman Parking Lot Podcast. Welcome to episode number 20. Who would have thought? Wow. Who would have thought? And we got balloons and everything. It's crazy. Uh, Hey, tonight's show is brought to us by a very special sponsor. Mookie Betts is a real American hero. Look at this guy. He's... He's won an MVP. He's won a World Series title. But he's done something that no man in the history of the world has ever done. He's won free tacos for America twice. Twice. Mookie Betts, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Can we gentlemen. just put him on the presidential ballot? I'd vote for him. Except Best my thing vote about was, tonight's show is I... My vote was already turned in. I'm, I'm sure it won't be counted, but it was turned in weeks ago. Now, Brian, are you sure you don't like Mookie just because of the haircut? I feel like there's a little bias there. Hey. <laughs> there when you're good, yes. you're good. Perfect. When you're good, you're good. He stole two and in your goatees are area. almost the same as well. Yeah. 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 When you're good, you're good. Um, yeah. I also want to give a quick shout out. I don't remember if I did this a few weeks back or not, but I had the distinct pleasure and, and a whole lot of fun a few weeks ago, being on another podcast with one of my buddies, Josh item called the small town baseball commute. Josh is doing an awesome job with this podcast. If I already mentioned it, uh, sorry, you got to go listen to it. Um, so he's doing a great job. He just, he talks small town baseball. Um, for those of you in the Fort Atkinson area, it's equivalent to what like the generals play just on the Western side of the state. Uh, so check it out. It's available really anywhere that you can get podcasts. Uh, he doesn't have cool video like us. It's just audio, but it's pretty awesome. So check that out. Um, I also want to do a quick shout out for Sid Hartman. Now, do either of you know who Sid Hartman is or was? No clue. So growing up in the Twin no. Cities, Sid Hartman had a Sunday morning call-in radio show, Sports Talk with Sid and Dave. And he's been a writer at the Minneapolis Star Tribune for decades. I was, has been really, really instrumental in way back with the Minneapolis Lakers and getting the twins and the Vikings to town. And Sid passed away this past weekend at the age of 100. Um, So I I called his show a couple of times growing up. Um, His big line was that everybody was his close personal friend. He's a huge Bobby Knight guy. Yeah. My close personal friend, Bobby Knight. And um, so Sid Hartman in the Twin Cities anyways is is and was really a kind of a pioneer in terms of sports radio and sports talk. So I just wanted to make sure awesome. I got that on there um, to honor him at 100 years old. And he was he was still on the radio as of uh, probably six months ago. It, it didn't sound real good, obviously, but he was still giving it a go every few weeks on the radio on that show. So pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, I want to be a hundred and on the radio. Agree. Doing this. I want to be a hundred doing anything. (laughs) I just want to also say we got a very special guest with us tonight. Justin Fry making a guest appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Good to be back boys. It feels fantastic to be back. Um, Quick listener of the week. My dad, Gary Bosch, the very first person I've been begging everybody, email the show. 
very first person to ever email the show, and it happened like two weeks ago. So, <laughs> loyal listener, my dad. Well, thanks, listener of the week. <laughs> hey, I'm glad we get parents that watch. I think half of our uh, viewership is our parents. I I find out my mom watches the show. I find out your dad watches the show. So, uh, I'm glad yeah, my folks can, uh, are right there too. Enjoy their time. Good, awesome. Good. Red, what's on the oh. docket tonight? Speaking of awesome, well, first thing I've got is uh, moving and unpacking boxes. My <laughs> wife likes to remind me that I'm an idiot uh, on numerous <laughs> occasions. Uh, but tonight I'm walking around the house wearing this hat, which says champion any other breed barrel from the <laughs> Walworth County Fair 1998. So... Long story short, the real question is, to... who did you steal that from? Because you didn't win it. Uh, I did win it. <laughs> um, I won it because the year before, I was mad that I couldn't win. Uh, I, I showed pigs through high school. Hogs, uh, shout out to Marty Speth, my ag teacher, who actually, hopefully, he would actually enjoy our show. He should probably watch it. He might be on the um, mailing list. He, he could probably get there. Um, but he told me if I wanted to win to get a, a breed that, um, there wasn't a lot of competition. So the smallest class was any other breed, which is your, your non-traditional pigs. I went to Southern Illinois to pick up a land race. Uh, a couple of guys and I uh, drove down there with a pickup truck with a topper on it, bought a handful of pigs and uh, brought them to the fair thinking that if, we had half the animals in the class that we had a better chance of winning. So it's all about numbers. Uh, all that, it's all about <laughs> statistics and winning and uh, wanting to make sure you get a chance to, uh, to win the hat because not anybody can say that they won the uh, barrel class at the 1998 Walworth County Fair. So um, as my wife tells me, I'm a moron that I've saved this hat for 22 years, but I kind of like it. So we're going to give a shout out to the fair this year and uh, wear the hat. And as they I think, say on Caddyshack, it looks good on you, though. For sure. <laughs> I was just going to say, the shape works really nicely on your head, Brad. It's great looking. It's perfect. <laughs> I would agree. So, other than that, hey, let's talk a little World Series because, um, I mean, nothing says champion more than, I mean, besides the Walworth County Fair. Uh, but doing a little uh, oldest county World fair in Wisconsin, is, right? It is. I think it's a large one of the largest as well, largest right. in the country. I think it ranks up there. So, um, but it, champions, uh, you've got the Dodgers, you've got the Rays, and you've got two completely different teams in a lot of different ways, right? The way they play offense, uh, the way they construct their team, and and the way that fans want to cheer for them and i will and i i messaged i think you guys last night saying as much as i enjoy watching the way the dodgers play the game i can't cheer for them i there's no ounce of my body that says that i want the dodgers to win why is that um you know well, I've got my Milwaukee shirt on today, and, and being a Brewer fan, they've, they've broken the hearts of Milwaukee. Um, the fact that I feel like they've bought their team, they have this astronomical salary on, on their players. 
um, where you just want to, you know, root for root for the underdog and, and the team that was constructed with a much la, lower salary and uh, a team that I don't know kind of wants to hit the long ball, um, which I don't necessarily enjoy, but I kind of want to cheer for them. So it's funny you, you say that know, because guys, oh, go ahead, Justin. I was gonna say, do you guys know the the difference in salary between those two teams? Because I looked it up today to get ready for our podcast. You know what it is. I don't know the total difference, but I saw something this week that Kershaw and Betts this year made either just more or just less than the entire Rays payroll yeah. made this year. Yeah. The, the Dodgers spent uh, 108, just shy of $108 million for their 60 games. The Rays spent just over $28 million. So just because I like to – um, I then figured out, hey, how much did each team spend to win a game? Yeah. And the Dodgers spent over two and a half million dollars per win. The Rays spend just over 700,000, which when when there are two teams playing and I don't really have a rooting interest for either of them, I automatically go to that team that's being more efficient with their money. The underdogs like Brad suggested I actually 100% agree. I was just curious as to why. And and it's funny you say that, Brad, in terms of buying the team, because last night I'm, I'm by no means even close to a Joe Buck fan, but I thought he was really good last night on a couple of different fronts. A couple of times he was really funny, but he did make a point that everybody thinks the Dodgers have bought their team, but there's a lot of homegrown and developed talent that they've brought up through their minor leagues on that team. So Granted, they pay, but they they pay, but they they pay to keep their guys instead of people like the twins or the rays or, or the A's who maybe develop these guys and then they can't afford to keep them around. Right. Right. And it, it, to me, it makes me respect that Rays organization so much because they raise the, they, they bring these boys up and then just as they reach peak value, they realize Hey, we can't keep this guy around anymore. And they have to flip them for a bunch of new talent and do it again. As opposed to the Dodgers, they can make a bunch of mistakes. And if they bleed cash, it doesn't really matter that much. You don't have to be as, as brainy about it. I don't think if you're the Dodgers. And I think it's also, it's also really interesting that Andrew Friedman has his fingerprints on both of those teams. As, as a general manager, as a front office guy. Um, speaking of making their trades count, Randy Arena is making that trade count. Dude is a stud. Just on fire. And now, if, if Lau gets going like he did last night and they've got those guys in the two and three hole, hey, look out. Here we come, right? We got Charlie Morton, 3-0 and in, in game three against Walker Bueller. That's going to be a great pitching matchup. And look out if the Rays get the bats going. Sure. I'm it hoping. Be fun. <clears throat> hey, you talked a little bit about Joe Buck. Um, and, I, and I enjoy just – I'm not nearly the baseball guy that you are, um, that either of you are. But I thoroughly enjoy listening to John Smoltz. Agreed. I feel like he's, he, he does a great job connecting to the viewers – he doesn't talk over your head, but he doesn't talk below the average fan. He speaks to the average fan. He gives good content. He tells some stories in there. 
Um, I just thoroughly enjoy listening to it. And I'll put up with Joe Buck to get John Smoltz. Can I tell you what I liked about Joe Buck last night? It was sure. it was two balls that went into the stands. The first one was a foul ball on the right field line. And a guy caught it who was wearing the Joe Kelly pouty face shirt. <laughs> but when the guy turned around, the back of his shirt said, nice swing, bitch. And, and Joe Buck goes, oh. And then, and then he goes, I guess he liked his swing. <laughs> I was dying. I was just dying. And the second one was the home run in the left field. The dude caught it and he was so excited. That he threw yes, he his was. glove out of the field. <laughs> so those are my two moments that I, I thought, wow, this is, this is going off the rails. We've got fans in the stands and nobody knows what to do. That's funny. Well, hey, being the marketing guy that you are, if we're going to talk about commentary, <clears throat> you had to have liked the um, steal a base to steal a taco. Well, they're our sponsor, and, right? Right. And they, they stole the base. And I, I immediately text you, free tacos, right? <laughs> and then they end up calling it a wild pitch. Yeah. But Joe Buck, Taco Bell should be feeding Joe Buck some money right now because he did enough product placement and name drops on Taco Bell and tacos during that instance. And then, you know, a couple of times, what, half hour later, they actually get a stolen base. Um Two of them back to back. Thank you, Mookie. Um, I love free tacos. And John Smoltz had no idea about the promotion. He goes, So do we get two tacos? Because he stole two bases. <laughs> but uh, Taco Bell should be paying Joe Buck's uh, salary for at least game two because uh, he definitely gave them enough name recognition. Yeah, it, it's been good. It's, hey, uh, funny. So when Mookie stole that first base, he and, um, Adamus, the middle infielder for the Rays, they kind of had a little talk and they actually, they, they brought it in for a hug. And I'm listening to the Baseball Tonight Buster Olney's podcast today and he's got Jessica Mendoza on and she got the inside She's on awesome, what that by was. The way. She's great. She's, a lot of people don't like her. She's phenomenal. She's, okay, Fry, you're shaking your head over there. No, I like her. I, I, I don't like the people who don't like her. Okay, I got you. I tend to think that the, the, the guys that don't like her simply don't like a woman in the booth. Oh, I think you're 100% right. So if, if you put a man in the booth and he says the same things and makes the same mm-hmm. observations as she does, they love him. Yep. But they don't like her. Yep. That's and my she, opinion. So and she, she's a world-class athlete. At what, like She's one of the best softball players to ever walk the face of the earth. Correct. She knows what she's doing. Yep. Um, but anyways, she got to the bottom of that little embrace. Apparently, Adamus was joking like, geez, I didn't know you were fast enough to ever get here. I didn't think you were ever going to make it over here. Well, then three pitches <laughs> later, he steals third base. <laughs> and, and for all intents and purposes, steals home. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the jump that he got on that, on that hit to the infield, he – there's no chance of getting them, which, right? which by so, the way, he was on base from a walk. He basically stole four bases. <clears throat> so pretty good. I'll disagree with you there. He ain't, he ain't walk bad. Isn't. No. Okay. You know what so, I mean, Brad? I know. I know. I also think that, uh, that inning before when he 
stole and they didn't give it to him. I still think it was a stolen base and there was a former catcher that was the official scorekeeper that uh, didn't give credit for that stolen base. Yeah, you're you're probably Sounds right. right. You're probably Sounds right. right. You're just banging <laughs> on the former catchers. <laughs> we'll put that mistake on the pitcher tonight, he says. Exactly. Well pitch. Exactly. <laughs> I can guarantee you every time I've kept book, I'm way harder on the catchers and give them pass balls more than wild pitches. Okay. All right. Either way, pass ball or wild pitch is not a stolen base. Hey, all True. I know is that either way, give them the stolen base so everybody in America gets their tacos. That's all that matters. <laughs> if now, we went you... seven, if it went seven games without a stolen base and we didn't get a free taco, I'd be upset. Kind of like the Masters of tradition, unlike any other. <laughs> <laughs> How many? This this what this promotion's been around? What maybe five years now? Ish. Uh, for sure, when the Royals won it, it was around. I know yeah. that. Okay. Okay. I think Lorenzo Kane got us tacos that first year. Okay. Yes, it's he interesting did. that you for sure remember that the Royals got you tacos. <laughs> we were living in Whitewater, and Natalie and I went on the way to school. Okay. Yes, it was. It was a breakfast. The yes. first year, it was a breakfast taco. Got it. And I think we were back to back each other in the drive-through getting our tacos before going to school. <laughs> Maybe Did you guys get them today. It's next week. Oh, they they offer oh, okay. So I next made, Wednesday, guys. Next Wednesday, you have an invite in your Google Calendar. I sent. It I to saw you. that. That was fantastic. <laughs> I I've never gotten my free taco from the World Series steal a base. Well, you need to this year. I'm gonna have to. It's hey, in my Google speaking, Calendar. How do you feel about the World Series being played at one location? Hey. Whatever. Whatever. We're getting games. Oh. In a pandemic, it's fine, but they should never do it any other. Oh time. no, not in a normal year. But right now, right. whatever, I don't care. Everything. Home weird. fans are fantastic during any playoff championship series. So, mm-hmm. I do also miss the going back and forth between having a DH and having the pitcher pick hit as well. Yeah, because um, watching I those saw that pitchers mi- hit is just phenomenal TV. <laughs> no, but it's interesting <laughs> in how the difference between the games go when you have an NL home team and an AL home team going back and forth. Well, here, here's one um, for you though. If, if tell me is, is the rule, if I bring in a pitcher and he gets the last out of the inning, does he have to come back for two in the next inning, two hitters? No, if he closes an inning, he's done. Okay. Cause I was wondering if pitchers are hitting, that can't be a, like you can't force a guy to have to send a pitcher up there. Sure. So sure. <clears throat> Okay. Well, I, honestly, I don't think we're ever going to see pitchers hit again, fellas. I don't either. And I'm I okay with that. I think the DH is around for, for good, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay, okay with that. that. You bet. They don't bunt anyways, so I'm I okay did. Yeah. I do, uh, I do think that putting the high school baseball rule of having a re-entry would actually make the game probably a little more fun and getting some, some guys – subbing in for running on bases or defensive substitutions and being able to bring a guy back around. And it might make the game a little more interesting as far as giving some more freedoms for substitution patterns. I don't see that happening. And I don't, I don't know that I would. No, I don't see it happening either. But I get what you're saying. I think it'd be fun to to see how teams constructed the rosters. Sure. 
you imagine if a baseball game was like a football game and you could sub any position in between batters in the defense whenever you wanted, that would be insane and a blast to watch, at least for a couple of games. <laughs> hey, the games <laughs> yeah. aren't long enough already. Let's draw them up. <laughs> right? Because you know those ball players, they'd just be taking their time, taking the chaw <laughs> out, walking out the right field, you know, <laughs> sauntering. <laughs> All right, that's a perfect hey, segue into football, football, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and behind you, I see a little let's go red. Uh, we got a little Big Ten football coming up it? this week. Yeah. Right there. You're good. You got it. Um, Badgers kicking off Big Ten season tomorrow night, a Friday night, 7 o'clock game. Uh, getting a little revenge with Illinois, uh, which I do thoroughly enjoy how the Big Ten set up their early season schedule. Um, and then you got a couple other games going, uh, one of them being um, Minnesota and Michigan, uh, which I think you probably find fairly interesting, Brian, as two ranked teams yeah. uh, going against each other and, and some stuff going on in Michigan. You want to talk to us about what's going on in Michigan? So first of all, that's going college game day is going to be in Minneapolis this weekend. Um, second of all, that's the 98th meeting for the little Brown jug, the most played trophy game in college football. Um, and <laughs> what's going on in Michigan. So I've got some numbers here because Justin or, or Brad, I can't remember earlier in the show, you talked about statistics and I texted you guys this week how to lie with statistics. And I think there's a little bit of that going on. So <laughs> the University of Michigan is in a, I guess, a shelter in place, right? Uh, everything's <laughs> online and virtual and, and no in-person meetings, unless you're an athlete. Then you can go to practices. Then you can go to games. Then you can get on a plane and fly to Minneapolis and play a game there because ESPN has got you in your primetime spot on Saturday night. Um, the University of Michigan is in Washtenaw County, which has 300, almost 368,000 people. Okay, There are 31,266 undergraduate students enrolled at the University of Michigan. Certainly not all of them live in that county, but for the purposes of our conversation, we're going to say that they all live in that county. Um, the county has 4,229 confirmed cases right now of, of COVID-19. 61% of those are University of Michigan students. <laughs> and the article was great. The article was there's evidence to suggest that gatherings on campus have contributed because before school started, <laughs> only 2% of the confirmed cases in the county came from the university. Well, no shit. There was nobody on nobody campus. Was there. there was nobody there. <laughs> and the, the best part about the whole thing was there's a staff member at practice assigned to be actively supervising to make sure they're, they're following COVID mitigation strategies. And they have the power to suspend practice if they're not. Oh, really? This staffer? <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is going to listen to this staffer saying, 
you're not wearing a mask. You better shut down practice. <laughs> Good luck with Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is going to take his dockers and sh- shove them down that person's throat. His Walmart Come dockers. <laughs> um, Unreal. Yeah. So a couple things, and I told you, you know, just what? Follow the money, right? Like, of course, they're not going to shut down Michigan athletics at this point. They fought this hard to get athletics. And I know you feel pretty passionate about it, but I would say that as athletes, you know, we know that athletes are held to different standards than other students anyways. Uh, And they probably are getting some more freedoms, but they also have some more responsibility because if they – start running a risky lifestyle and and bringing that to the team. And now all of a sudden there's an outbreak in the team because students, um, those student athletes did something, went somewhere, got in contact with someone that they shouldn't have. Um, Now that could take out the entire team and and then have those huge ramifications. So um, I think they have great responsibility. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that they're doing things in a safe manner to make sure that athletics can go on, but also keep students and staff and and faculty safe as well at the same time. So um, I don't think they'd be doing it if they thought that there was a health risk and, and those athletes are getting tested more than anybody else on campus. So I'm actually okay with it. I, I don't have a huge problem with it. So what you're saying is you want to come over and watch the game on Saturday night in my garage? <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, come on over. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. And I, I get there's extra responsibilities and they've got extra probably protections in place. I'm sure they're with they're within like a little athlete bubble on campus. Yeah. And I, I guess I understand that. Um, but <clears throat> I just don't like the feel of it. I don't like the look of it um, when one group of students is treated quite a bit differently than others, um, where you say you can go and do your football practice because ESPN's cutting us a ginormous check, but you postgraduate student who needs to go to the lab to work on your research, you can't. Actually, they <clears throat> did say this is a shelter in place for undergrads. They specified gotcha. that. Okay. They did specify okay. that. Yeah. Okay. That makes it a little bit better. <clears throat> but I kind of felt like Oscar from the thing, office you, there when you, I said, actually. W- yeah. <laughs> they, uh, when UW-Madison had their shelter in place as well, it was just for undergrads and not graduates. And I listened to an interview um, with one of the deans or chancellor and basically he said, yeah, undergrads, they do stupid things. Grad students, they're, they're doing the right thing. And we're not seeing outbreaks in, in graduate students. We're only sure. seeing outbreaks in undergrad. So, right. I By the way, that is, what, I wonder why that is. Maybe it's just an age thing. Weird. Um, really, what we, what we probably ought to be focused on, though, with the conversation is not so much the outbreak amongst the student body, but what happens in the community at large. Um, Yesterday or the day before, the Washington Post um, had an article in their newspaper about La Crosse, Wisconsin. And the gist of the article was that um, early in the fall, when students came back to campus to UW La Crosse, 
the virus started spreading around campus quite quite easily and since then it has mushroomed out sure. to the um the retirement homes and the nursing homes and there are researchers that are attributing that directly <laughs> to early 20 year old late teen aged college kids so when we when we kind of think about these things and we say well okay, they're here. It's, it's really about like the, that 22 year old kid who goes to the party. And then all of a sudden a 70 year old woman who the 22 year old had zero contact with is sick because of those kids. So I think that gets lost. And I think that's hard for a lot, a lot of us, myself to, to think about when we think about, okay, why are we not in school and why are we doing these things? Because I don't see and associate with a lot of people that are out. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's hard to, to make sense of that sometimes. And I, I also think that, let's be real, it's easy, it's easy for us to forget that the college campus is not its own cocoon of a community. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they, they are part of those communities. And, you know, you talk about lacrosse. I, I believe lacrosse has a, a big nursing program. Well, mm-hmm. gosh, I wonder how that got into those nursing homes. It's Correct. the students from the university that on Thursday night did their thing, but then they work their their 48-hour shift at the nursing home on the weekend or whatever it is. Yeah, but it's it's more degrees than that. It's it's I go to the bars, I go to my get-together, I run into somebody, you know, at a yeah. gathering oh, yeah. somewhere else. They go to church all of a sudden, you know, and it just so it it does spread for sure yep. um, that way. Anyway, for sure. Anyway, regardless of how I feel, I am going to watch football this weekend from the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> I am jacked about go. the Big Ten. I am jacked about the Badgers. Um, I, can can I give you my win in Rome right now? Absolutely, let's roll. Okay. My my win in Rome has to do with the Badgers. I love college football so much more than the NFL that I can't even tell you how much more. And, and most of it is all of the um, extra stuff, all the pageantry, all their traditions. And one thing that I love about going to Camp Randall and about Badger football is between the third and fourth quarter, jump around. But I have no idea when it started, it can't be a super old tradition because it's not a super old song. It's not a new song, but when did it start? How did it start? And why do either of you know that? And I don't know that this is why it's when in Rome. I I would go early two thousands. I don't, I don't know the answer for that. Um, I know that. I would think that it was somewhere in the Ron Dane era. I think it's before then, Brad. I okay. think that tradition started back in 93, 94, 95, early to mid 90s. And I'd, I think it just was kind of a spontaneous thing. That House of Pain song was popular, had been out for a few years. They probably played it. And the student section probably went nuts. went nuts. And 
all of a sudden that happened one week. So they did it again the next home game and it happened. And I think it just kind of rolled into what it became. But I don't know the answer for sure. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I'm in the garage, so maybe it's just because I'm cold. But I'm getting goosebumps thinking about the college football traditions. It's so cool. <laughs> I love the well, traditions and, of college And one football. thing we know for sure, it's one of the top five traditions of college football, right? I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's in, in the Big Ten, maybe. Sure. Yeah. And, and maybe, maybe I should say traditions that deal with fans. Sure. Yeah. Right. And just cool things that the fans do in correspondence with a football game, similar to Iowa, you know, turning and waving at the children's hospital, right? Just kind of really cool things that they do. Now, obviously jump around as far as, you know, the energizing the, the fans and, and the players and the players getting involved with it. I think that's probably if if you say a a fan tradition might be number one. And, and, by the way, both sidelines of players get jacked up for that. I've been at games where the visitors are so excited to do it. Um, last year, the one game that I went to, my son and I went, and it was, oh, it was like the last non-conference game. It was an absolute blowout, and it was pouring. So we left early. We left in the third quarter, and we drive right by Camp Randall on our way out, and we're listening on the radio, and – They've got jump around playing on the radio and we turned the radio down and rolled the windows down. And it was so cool to hear from the truck as we drove by. <laughs> so yeah, sure. that's, that's one of my favorites. Well, well, Hey, I got one for you. So I've got a, would you rather, and I, I went a little off script, but since we're talking about traditions and, and Wisconsin traditions and Midwest um, traditions, I've got one for you. Would you rather be, Charlie Barron's or Miles Mont's player. And, and Miles, guy? if you don't know, he's the you betcha guy, right? He's the North Dakota, you betcha, uh, the Bush guy. <laughs> uh, did a little research on both of them, right? So, so Miles, he was a um, student. He was a marketing. He was, a, I think, Minnesota State, played football for. Warhead. Had Warhead. a marketing degree, got out got got out of college and had this little marketing gig and got this you betcha going and, and then stopped um and kind of went all in with you betcha charlie barons is a uw madison grad um kind of traveled around and did local news broadcasts and, and just started doing the manitowoc minute is a fun thing that just caught on so who would you rather be Charlie or Miles? Wow. Justin, I'm going to let you go first. Well, I'm that going is... with Charlie for sure. Okay. And, and, and my reason is simple. I don't like marketing. <laughs> I despise marketing. <laughs> I think doing that, it, dude. I think that a marketer's job is to get me to buy something I don't need. And I don't appreciate it. So I'm rocking <laughs> with Charlie. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> All right. So it's so funny you say that because the, I, I enjoy the, the, my, the you betcha guy, right? Because I always thought he was um, just Bush light, right? Like he was all about Bush light and, and somehow he gets that into every one of his 
Now he must have a New Balance gig as well because he was wearing the the latest one he showed. <laughs> He's got a New Balance hat on. They like zoom in on his New Balance old man shoes. Okay, Brad, hold yeah. on. Now I'm I'm gonna tell you. Yes, they zoom in on the old ba- the New Balance old man shoes. Those are like his paint them green. His his lawn mowing shoes. The hat is it looks like a New Balance logo. It's a you betcha logo to look like a New Balance logo. Oh, it, and Ooh, I'm going to tell you. All right, I missed that. I'm going to tell you I'm going with Miles. Um, I I came across Charlie Barron's first, and I think he's phenomenal. And I love it when they team up and do their videos together. I think that's great. Um, and there's there's a few other guys that do it too. And I think one of my favorite is the the husbands of target where they're all meeting in the target parking lot where their wives are inside shopping. (laughs) But miles is, uh, he's just, he's, he's the everyman. He's worried about mowing his lawn and making sure that looks great. He's got the, um, (laughs) the jean shorts on. He's always talking to his wife, Sharon, and his about his, his dumb kid, Caleb. (laughs) And, um, he's, you're right. He's he's started to merchandise a lot of stuff, Justin, and he's trying to get you to buy stuff you maybe don't need. But gosh, you'll look cool if you have it. Um, and my cousins, <laughs> my cousins um, who went to Shanley High School in Fargo, North Dakota, private school, the, my cousins, uh, the Matherns, they say they went to high school with him. And then I got another cousin, Blake Bosch, who went to Moorhead State. And say, say he went to college with him. And I don't know if they know him or if they just were there at the same time. But I like to feel like I got a little bit of a connection there. Um, and I'm going to go with him. All right. So, Brad, what about you? You always got to answer the question. Fair enough. Well, and I guess my bottom line is who's worth more money if I'm going to be one of those guys? I think they're both great. Um, I think I connect a little more with you, Betcha. I enjoy his um, product placement. I enjoy his <clears throat> consumer reports on uh, Yeti coolers versus the regular oh, coolers, so awesome. right? Um, or the can koozies or, or you name it. I just, I kind of connect with that. I think the news is fun with Charlie Barron's and, yep. and he's a, a fun listen to. Uh, but yeah, I'm going you betcha just because I also enjoy the new balance old man shoes. Um, and, and I have a couple pairs even prior to that. So he's, he's pat, he's patterned it after you, Brad. I maybe, maybe I am the original you betcha guy. <laughs> oh, I want to see you in some, uh, old man, new balances, maybe some jean shorts tomorrow jean shorts at work. Yep. I'm showing up. I'm showing up. I'll stop by first hour with uh, some, some new balances and jean shorts cut off. That's awesome. <laughs> Justin, do we have a, did you know this week or not? Oh, we got a, did you know? Okay. Of course we do. So, um, did you know this week? I was thinking about baseball, thinking about the world series and I, I did know that about the, the Tampa Bay Rays. <clears throat> did you know that the Tampa Bay Rays have a player who hit his 3,000th hit with the Tampa Bay Rays. And do yes. you know that player's name? Wade Boggs, a home run. Wade Boggs. And I believe um, he either slid into home plate or kissed home plate. <laughs> well, on August 7th, 1999, as a member of 
the Devil Rays at the time, yep. his final season playing. He hit his 3,000th hit. He was the first person in the 3,000th hit club where his 3,000th hit was a home run. Two other players have done that same thing since. Do we know those players? Mm. Two other players. Say that again. Two other Two players, other players that have joined the 3,000 3, hit club since 1999 have made their 3,000th hit a home run. Do we know who those players are? I was feeling good. I thought I got the did you know, but that wasn't it. Well, it's part of it. I don't know. There's little pieces. <clears throat> um, did, he, did, did this player play for the Yankees at any point in their career? Correct. Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was number two. He joined the 3,000 hit club in 2011, and he did it with a home run. One more. Who are we missing? I don't think Pujols has 3,000 oh. hits, does he? Pujols does have 3,000 hits, but it wasn't a home run. He made the 3,000 hit least in, what, I think 19. I think last season. Okay. Gosh. Is this player still active? No, but you love this player in his current role. Chipper Jones? No, 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 no. no. Not Larry. Not Larry. I love this player in his current role. Right. He's not a player anymore, but he's still involved. Huh. I'm stumped. A-Rod, 2015, 3,000th hit, dinger. I was was thinking A-Rod, but I thought I didn't know if he had 3,000 hits. Yeah, he does. That's where I was going with the the Yankees, so all right. Right. Yeah, so I think there are 32-ish, 35-ish or so members of the 3,000 hit club. Um, Three of them have done that with a home run, Wade Boggs being the first as a member of the Devil Rays. By the way, they got rid of that Devil's Ray, that Devil Rays name in, I think, 07. That was the last year they had it. 2008, last time they were in the World Series. So, oh, <laughs> I believe, I believe, I'd have to do some research on this, that when Paul Molitor got his 3,000th hit, it was a triple, and that he was the first guy to have a triple for his 3,000th hit. Oh, okay. So that Could was be. in that was in Kansas City when they still had the AstroTurf. Oh, S- stupid crap that well I remember. Well playing for the Twins. Well playing for the Twins. Well yep. playing for the Twins. Yep. <clears throat> for yeah. sure. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's wrap this let's wrap this up. Um, remember that tonight's show is sponsored by Mookie Bets, and that you've got tacos coming next week. Okay, Wednesday tacos, Mookie Bets. Thank you. Um, as always follow the show on the Facebook group, become a member of that thing. If you can see this 213 members as of earlier this afternoon, so keep them coming, follow the show, get on that Facebook group. You can email the show. Thanks dad for being the first emailer. Uh, you can email the show at freshmanparkinglot <laughs> at gmail.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think we're up to an even 40 subscribers as of this afternoon. So that's a nice round number. Twice the number of episodes we have. Follow the Twitter account at Frosh Parking Lot. And um, Nate, hey, Nate did an okay job during the show, but I'll tell you what, we had a hell of a lot of technical difficulties getting on the air tonight. So Nate, uh, pick up your game. That's all I'm going to say. Pick up your game. 
And that is it. We're hoping to see you back here again next week. Take care. Thank you.